Lord, just help us today. This season that just gets here quicker as we get over in life. But Lord, we just thank you for it. Help us today settle in. Just these few minutes here and just hear what you have to say, Lord. There's people who lead in singing, people who lead in sharing your word, Lord. But if we don't hear from you, if you just want to take the head from that, I can just sort of literally. Maybe a little smarter. May not be changed. So, Lord, we need to apply that today. Whatever that is, Lord, that includes this pastor. We love you and thank you for this time today, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, it has been a while. Where have you been? You know, one of those kind of deals, right? So, uh, hopefully, I still don't know how to do this. We will see. And uh, I haven't been Jan. I'm sure I've preached to Jan quite a bit over the last three months, but. Uh, not to you guys. We will see how this goes. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 14, so we're going to just open up a familiar passage to most of you. And if not, then hope it'll be a blessing either way, if it is or isn't. And, and there were shepherds, Luke chapter 2, verse 8, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. Angel of the Lord appeared to them, the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. Change is coming. You ever been where change is coming and you feel more fearful? And you're excited? A disturbance is happening. Something unusual is happening. It's coming. But our first response often is terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news. That will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a, find a baby wrapped in clothes lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angels praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Peace to those whom his favor rests. I got a confession to you today. I, when I found out that, I mean, I found out before today, but as I was looking towards today and realized I was going to be speaking on joy, I'm not even sure I'm the best guy to preach on that today, but maybe it may be helpful to some of you. Uh, and I have a tendency sometimes to overthink things. Anybody in here overthinkers? We have a tendency to take something, maybe even a blessing of God, and somehow or another remove it because you've overthought it. Sometimes I have that tendency to overthink things. It can have a little bit of a pessimistic bent to things. And I, I used to think it was the right way to do it because then you're, if you think pessimistic enough, you're surprised with the reward, right? <laughs> when it doesn't go wrong, and it's, that's... And as a mature believer, you would hope that as we grow in Christ, and I know it does, but we, we would hope that we grow in Christ, we would become the poster children of joy. But I've been contemplating this a lot over the last many months and just thinking through this concept. Because if I was looking at through the Spirit and I was listening down to there, the two that I think sometimes are maybe the hardest for me to, to say that, hey, I'm shining in these is joy and peace. There seems to be sometimes that walking this out that Maybe, again, my overthinking may be part of that. 
It's just going, my life is, and not confusing, we're talking about today, not confusing joy with happiness even sometimes, even though they can be together. But what I'm going to do today, we'll see how this works. Uh, you're going to sit in potentially with a counseling session between me and God, okay, <laughs> as I work this out. And hopefully as I do this, it will be of some benefit to you. Because again, it's, it's sometimes a guilt that you're not careful as a Christian. Why don't I feel that overwhelming joy? As I felt even as a new believer. That overwhelming joy when God came into my life and transformed my life. Some of you remember that time. Where there's this overwhelming lifting. And it was so tangible almost you could feel it. Of what God did in your life. And I know for some of you, you may not have experienced it that way. You may experience it as a child, you kind of grew into it. I don't mean, and, and, if, and I'll tell you this, both are awesome because one is you follow God all of your days. Or some just get in like I did at 27 years old. And, and you see that change, but you know it, you remember it. And it's so tangible that you go, man, I am so thankful and so grateful for what God has done. How careful time goes. Somehow or other, that feeling, and we'll address that, that feeling is not as prominent. But most of us, I many I talk to often, even as believers, let alone, others feel overwhelmed. Every day that their tasks and the burdens of the world they live in, they're exhausted. I, don't think, I think exhaustion's always been around, so I'm not going to tell you this is new to us in this day and age, but there's new ways to cause it in this day and age, that's for sure. Dear other to, for the world, to the world for joy, then that's often a very uh, a fleeting thing, because in so much of it today, as we look around, we will, if we sit and listen to, you know, used to, you could listen to the news, or you could just listen to the sports, and they reported what's happening. Today, you got to get all the opinions about that, right? you got to have all the critique and all the things. You drive around town, many of you listen to sports or talk radio, and you're all day long, if you're not careful, you're listening to critique of other people. And it just kind of drives its way into our minds and into our hearts. It's that our bent now is critiquing instead of seeing the good. I'm so thankful this scripture is very open about the people who have led for God, who have followed God. Because there's often times in scripture you see those who are not as joyful as you wish. Joylessness, really. I mean, when you see Job, you wish you'd never been born. You see David, just asking to flee. Lord, let me go, let me flee, let me, let me leave here. Elijah, Dr. Dan did a few years ago talking about Elijah. After he had challenged the, the prophets of Baal and called fire down from heaven, which should have given this just unbelievable joy and just man, I'm riding this high, and he goes and wants to die. So if these men can struggle, The experience of consistent joy in our lives is something I think you as Christians have got to look at, but realize there's this ebb and flow at times of where we feel it. 
But it's been my scripture, say mine, I'm, I, I, I've taken it as mine in John 10, 10 for all these years. That the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it abundantly. He says these words, I think Jesus meant it when he said these words, but he also knew we would struggle in this world. You know, I've recently just kind of working through some things in my own mind and heart and journey. I've set my phone for a 1010 every day. Just to remind myself of, of counting God's, remembering, first off, what he has done in my life. But to also remember the stage I am on. That the thief only comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But whatever I'm going through, there's two things happening. One of them is there is a battle going on. The other is that there's a purpose for my life. And it's to live abundantly. And to try to work that out and live that out at the same time. So what is joy, though? And I, don't, and I want to say this today. There's some things I'm going to share with you, things that I believe are joy stealers and joy givers. But I also don't want to oversimplify it for you. I'm not going to have them up on the, on, on the screen. I'll say them. If you want to write them down, you can. But I do believe in, like, in so many ways, uh, in, in most of our life, we need to be doing this in community. And sometimes you have to sit down with people to work through where you are in your life. But so much of it is just remembering what joy is and what it is not. First is to remember that joy is a gift from God. The root word for joy is kara, or the awareness. I'm going to go back to, again, when I was, gave my life to the Lord years ago. It's the awareness of God's grace. It's the awareness of God's favor that's been disposed on your life. It's, the, that, it's that almost tangible understanding that what He has given you, you can't get anywhere else. But it's also... The response, not only to His grace, but the gifts He has given us. Romans 15, 13, because I believe this joy is built on hope. And Romans 15, 13 says, May God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Him. So that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Joy and hope go together. He will fill you with this great joy and peace. Often is said, you know, is it, you know, joy is it an emotion? Well, I believe joy, when it's kind of sandwiched in between in, in, in the list, as, as Paul writes it, between love and peace. And those are emotional things. I believe joy has an emotional component, no doubt about that. And I think it has a happy, happiness component to it. But the reality is, if that is all we base it on, is if we're happy, then we must have joy, then we're in trouble, right? I mean, most of us know that. Uh, I love one of the definitions that, uh, or, or statements I heard from Kay Warren. I've seen it quoted from Kay and Rick Warren, if you know them at Saddleback Church, if you know who they are, uh, many of you will. 
And it's been attributed to him, but I've read an article from her talking about joy. And I just thought it was a great insight. And you may or may not say, if joy is only tied to our external circumstances, we're all lost. Very few of us ever experience joy. But when joy is turned around and has my definition of joy, it's the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my, of my life and quite confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right and the determined cho choice to praise him in all things. The determined choice to praise him in all things. And she goes on to say, so it has nothing to do with circumstances or, uh, or the circumstances are happening in my life. It has everything to do with what I believe about God. What I believe he can do on the inside of me. And my choice then is response to what's happening to me is to give praise back to him. That becomes something that's within my control. I can't always control what's happening to me on the outside, but I can, all, can most definitely control my response, what I do with it, what I believe about God, what I believe he's going to do about it. So then it actually becomes something, it becomes something I can attain, joy does. And if you know Kay and Rick Warren's journey from cancer to losing a child to, it's pretty amazing for her to go, this is where I live. I choose this. And again, I, want to, I don't want to oversimplify that. Because I know sometimes we want to choose it. And it seems still unattainable. I understand that. Because we live in a world today that the anxiety, you see that over the last decade from teenagers all the way through. Depression and suicide all escalating. The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's my refuge. As Ali was talking about the, the, the children up here today, there is that innocence. There is that things that are not, you, there's this expectation. They, they believe you can do great things as parents, right? They believe more than you really can pull off, but they believe in you. They, they trust you. And the way we think of God, and I'm not saying more than he can do, but as I work through this and contemplating this, one of the things I, I, I tried to list a few things, and again, you can write them down if you want to. They're not like, you know, rocket science or anything, but they may be of help to you. And if the enemy says, the thief is, I mean, the scripture says the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. What are some of those things that he uses to steal? And this may apply to you. I don't know. But for some of you, one of them is, and I don't know, I've heard it Mark Twain. I've heard it Teddy Roosevelt. I don't know who said it first. It really doesn't matter. But comparison is the killer of joy. Comparison is the death of joy. In the day and age where we can get on social media and all the places and people paint even a picture of their life, if they're not careful, that may or may, or may not be true. Even, to, even when that's not the case, when we, when we compare our life to someone else and we long, and I, you could call it envy, you can call it coveting, you can call it, and you may not even call it any of those things, but the reality is there is this going, wow, how did that work? How, how is that working? 
Jory will die quickly. Again, in the world we live in today, more than maybe any time, that's easy to creep in. Because we don't know what all is going on in somebody else's life when we compare it, do we? <laughs> we don't know all the circumstances. We may see they drive that or they go here or they do this or that or whatever. But we don't know what all is going on in their life. But the reality is, when that is part of it, it is a joy killer. False expectations of life, God, and others. It's so often we get up each day on a happiness quest. But the reality is, happiness depends on what? What's happening. And so much of our life... What is happening is not good. And I don't mean that are, are happy, better way to say it. I don't say not good, but maybe not happy. And we come trials and we come challenges that happen in our life. And somehow or another, we have these, you know, I, I'm a big false expectation guy. I'm, I'm, too many of my sports teams along the way give me great expectations and they fail, right? So we all have a little bit of that steals the joy out of it when, when my Razorbacks are not, don't even go to a bowl game, right? And they're talking about, so, so we have silly things that are false expectations, but when it's life, and when it's God, and when it's others, we set ourselves up. But especially when we think that our life is designed where we're really not, God's in this thing to give me comfort. He's in this thing to give me the best. Matter of fact, he's here for my security. He's not going to let anything bad happen to me. He's not going to let any trials come my way. set ourselves up first off all you've got to do is read this thing and look at the people who followed him i've been shipwrecked this many times i've been beaten over here i've been up whoa whoa wait a second you mean that those are the people you chose for us to continue to be inspired Matter of fact, Scripture throws us a curveball because in James 1, 2 through 4, it said, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that that testing of your faith produces perseverance, that perseverance finishes its work, Have you thought about quitting? Going, Lord, if this is not it, I'll just go do something else. But let this work finish so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I made this silly statement years ago about a prayer. Allie said she was going to get a tattoo. Fortunately, she did not. Now, nothing against tattoos. You do what you want. No, I'm just kidding. I'm not promoting or having a conversation around it, okay? <laughs> Sorry I brought it up. It'll be the last thing you hear today, right? It's all about the tattoo, and I what my opinion of it. But I prayed a simple prayer 
in 2000 going through something in our church, previous church. Lord, did you toughen my skin, soften my heart? Very simple prayer. Lord, did you toughen me? Don't let that get tough. Lord, whatever you need me to do down the road, prepare me. Kind of pure joy. This scripture is true. I have to believe it is. God intends that your challenges and your trials. Again, you're sitting in on my counseling session with God, just so you know. As opportunities, opportunities for me to grow rather than dangers for me to fear? My question is not how do I get out of it, how do I cooperate with you? How do I make the most out of where I am right now, Lord? How do I take what I am in the middle of, what I'm working through, how do I take that and come out the other side? And I'm sure there's more down the road because until I see Jesus, these trials are coming, right? I don't want to go through this trial again. I don't want to do this one again. Lord, help me. Victor Frankl, in his classic Man Searching for Meaning, the way in which a man accepts his fate and all the suffering it entails, the way in which he takes up his cross gives him ample opportunity, even under the most difficult circumstances, to add a deeper meaning to his life. Another thing I think is a joy killer is sometimes we see other people being blessed. Go back to the comparison a little bit. We believe there's scarcity of God's blessing. Somehow there's scarcity of what God's up to. Because I don't see it in my life. I tell you right now, folks, and I have to do this on a regular basis just because I think it's good. I have to slow down and begin to almost make a list. Sometimes it's obvious. Sometimes it's overwhelming what God is doing. Now, last night, just looking up at the stars, I'm just blown away. Being in awe of God, I think sometimes we don't have our awe meter very, you've heard me talk about it before. One of the issues many of us have is our awe meter doesn't go out, A-W-E, I'm from the South, so sometimes they're not A-L-L, maybe you can do that too, I don't know. But the blessings God has in our life is enough to keep us moving forward. There is no scarcity. You know, for some of us, we spent more of our time counting the blessings of God in our life instead of critiquing other people. You know, I was reading, I'm reading a book, I just read it, a guy named Arthur Brooks. He's talking about, you know, often we just throw our opinions around all the time about all kinds of different stuff because we listen to radio stations and everything else. It has all kinds of opinions, so it's built into us now, right? We just use opinions all the time. He said, you don't have to have an opinion about everything. You really don't. 
Matter of fact, why don't you just be in awe of what God's doing around you instead of stacking all the critiques and all the opinions and some of you are probably going to leave today and you, you, the very thing that may happen when you walk out of here is critique what we did in here versus what potentially were the blessings in here today. That's just a fact. That, that's a fact. I, I can guarantee you that if I didn't say that, hopefully some of you will be checked now, but if I didn't say that, there is a chance today you leave here today and you critique more about what happened in here today than praise God for what happened in here today. That's a fact. There's no scarcity. The other one for me, I've, you've heard me say this from the pulpit before, so there's no chance. No, is Mark chapter 4, 18, 19. One of my favorite sermon series I've done over the years is Parable of the Sower. It's dirt number three, I call it. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. I love C.S. Lewis' quote. He argues about the fact that pleasures and desires are not the problem. Not in the least. He said it's quite the opposite. I love what he says it in this way. He said it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not strong enough but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go out making mud pies in the slum because he cannot imagine what, it, what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. We are far too easily pleased. For we substitute pleasure for joy. We're far too easily pleased. In Arthur Brooks, in his book, he talks about being living happy, but he's talking about, really, I think joy is what he's talking about when he ultimately runs it all the way out. He said, joy, he talks about to live into that fullness. He said, there has to be enjoyment, satisfaction, and purpose. Enjoyment is, and where we get this confused, is enjoyment and pleasure are the same thing, and the reality is it's not the same thing. There can be enjoyment and pleasure, but they're not the same thing. Enjoyment, he says, and I love the way he says it, enjoyment is communal and conscious. In other words, I'm really aware of what's happening, and it's communal. So much of what we get joy out of, what we would call joy, which is really just pleasure, it's by ourselves. It's usually about ourselves, matter of fact. It's almost always about ourselves. We're looking for pleasure we're not looking for joy because your joy always, almost always includes others and we're very aware that it's happening. Enjoyment. We almost savor it. Now, when you talk about people eating food, I'm probably, if fast is a, is a 10 and really slow or almost not eating at all is a zero, I'm probably about a six or seven. I eat too fast, don't eat like my brother who eats at about a three. He savors it. 
It's crazy how fast. I mean, he's kept, he doesn't overeat because it took him so long to eat the first one, didn't have time for the second round, all that kind of stuff. But one, he savors it. My mom and dad were that way. I mean, out of the, all of our, of the six kids of us, but my mom and dad and my brother that's just older than me were that way. I don't know if you're that way. I eat way too fast. You would say right now, right now, some of you may today, this afternoon, eat a, a bag of Fritos while you're watching football. The reality is you're going to say, man, that was enjoyable. The reality is probably not. It's a moment of pleasure because you really weren't even conscious of it. How many of you have ever eaten a bag with chips not conscious of it? I mean, not unconscious like you're, like you're knocked out, like hitting the head. I don't mean that kind of. Jan makes peanut butter fudge. Oh, yeah, you bet. I'm telling you, it's the best peanut butter fudge I've ever had anywhere, ever. Okay, now I, I try to buy it other places going, nice try. That's, you know, it's just a nice try. But Jan will tell you, there's not many things I savor because she doesn't make a lot of it because she knows I'll, I'll eat the lot. I savor it. Now, I'm not saying it's good for you. Don't go out and buy any. Don't go wherever you go buy your fudge. I'm not saying go do it uh, you know, and blame me, but I'm just telling you. I'm very conscious of what I'm doing in that moment, <laughs> and I savor it. Second thing is the satisfaction. i got to get going here. Satisfaction. You know, I thought it was interesting. I've been listening to more stuff about neuroscience, and I am... I've got way so much to learn, and I don't want to regurgitate things that I think I'm learning without really being able to get there. But one of the things I think is understood is pleasure without pursuit is empty. Pleasure without earning it. Pleasure without a little surf, uh, suffering. Pleasure without a little pain is empty and you'll need another one. That's the reason why in the world we live in today, I think people are less motivated because they're getting these hits, hits, hits because they get pleasure like that. All I got to do is scroll social media. All I got to do is eat another little piece of whatever I'm eating or eat 10 times that. All I got to do is do it, bury myself in a video game because I'm getting that hit. I'm getting that hit. I'm getting that pleasure, pleasure, pleasure. And we're ruining ourselves, I believe, because it's lack of motivation. Chemically, it's starting to destroy us because we're, we're, we're getting pleasure hits all over the place without pursuit. And it leaves us unsatisfied. We can buy enough stuff. We can go enough places. We can eat enough stuff. We can, we can do But at the end of the day, it's just pleasure. It's not joy. Oh, boy, you haven't felt joyful. Well, maybe not. Because we're substituting pleasure for joy. Reason addiction. Sure, it's a moment of enjoyment or pleasure, but it's not enjoyment. Matter of fact, after you do it, most of the time you're, you, you, it's way worse. Binge TV. The last one is his purpose. Enjoyment, satisfaction, the pursuit, 
because otherwise, otherwise you cut corners and purpose. And you can live for a while without enjoyment and satisfaction, but you're in trouble without purpose. Why do we exist as a church here at Renovation? Our hope has been is we help people find that. We find, because I've said before, if the enemy had a job, and he does, or sin had a job, it's separation, right? Separating you from God, separating you from others, and separating you from your divine purpose. That's its job. Our job is to help bring those back. And we've done a good enough job? I don't know. But that is our hope. Because one of the things about purpose and you living into that, about joy, man, it helps you make sense of some of these dilemmas and puzzles that are going on in your life. It begins to make more sense that God is causing me to be personal. He's, he's allowing me to go through these trials to, to live into the fullness of what he has for me to persevere to be fully what I'm supposed to be right now, but I bet I'm going to have to persevere some more to be fully what I'm supposed to be a year from now. And that's the false expectation, right? That we thought, well, we went through that, God. Why isn't that? No, that's just getting you where you can go through this one. Ecclesiastes 3.11. God has set eternity in the human heart. We're all eternal creatures. without true purpose, without understanding that of what we've been put here for. And St. Augustine says in the Confessions, Thou hast made us for thyself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in thee. We're dissatisfied. We're, we're dissatisfied in our soul, which only God can feel. So as we move into joy and we kind of start working our way back out the other, some of the stealers are, I just mentioned to you that maybe they hit with you, maybe they didn't. I don't know, but it's part of my process, telling you part of what I'm working through myself. But I'm also working through, Lord, how do I make sure that I'm on track with you? How do I make sure that one of them is that joy is an act of worship? What we were doing here today in singing and praising, it's an act of worship. Philippians 4, 4 through 8, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is true, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So joy is so much about worshiping and being praising. And for some of you, just find some songs to sing. It may begin to just stick in your head in a way that that's the place maybe you go. You don't know how to praise. Maybe just sing. But finding your purpose, 
living into what God has for you. I love First, first Peter 4.10 that you've heard many times probably. But each of you should use whatever gift you have to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. And what I mean by that is one of the things we've tried to commit to here at Renovation is you not only coming to know Christ as your Savior, which is critical. We believe that's the first question you have to. You, God has given you an assignment. And at the end of time, he's going to ask you a couple of things. I believe, and again, I'm just making this up, but I kind of believe it. One is, what did you do with my son? That's one of them. I don't think you can get around that. And the other one is, what did you do with the assignment I gave you? What did you do with the gifts and graces I gave you? What did you do with the tools I gave you? Well, what did you do with those? Did you use them for my glory, or did you just take them a little bit and you kind of figured them out and you used them for your own good? You found your own path. But each of us, that's the reason why. You, you want to get me, you, I was talking to somebody the other day about, and an uncommon came up, and all of a sudden I started, those who don't know about that, we are planning on doing uncommon again towards the end of, end of January next, next month. I'm going to ask you to lean into that. I'm going, to, I'm going to challenge you to lean into that. Because one of the things we are here for is to help you live into the purpose God has for you. And we're trying to continue to make it better every time. But I'll tell you this. When I talk about uncommon, this person said to me, had never met me before. And I was kind of, I don't know, kind of one of my pessimistic. I wasn't critiquing other people, just kind of working through things in my mind. I'm talking to them. And, and I started, and I told him something about uncommon. He said, something happened in your countenance and your energy when you started talking about that. Something changed in you when you began to talk about that. And I know what it is. I know what it is. I want to help people live into the full purpose that God has for them. And that's what Uncommon tries to do. That is why we're here. And I'm challenging you. If you're a guide, you may get a hold. If you don't mind getting a hold of me, you want to help us again uh, in, the, in the near future to do that. But we want you, if you've never been through it, we want you to go through it. And I'm challenging you to go through it. Because I believe God has given us a tool, a tool to help you figure this out. It's not the only tool, but it is a tool in the toolbox of God's toolbox. I believe that. And we just got to make it better. And we are doing that. The other thing I'd say as I'm closing is one of the things back to the blessings of God I know we do it around communion tables week in, week out. I'm not when month in, month out. We did it last week. It's just the gratitude and the thankfulness. I just don't think you have it. I don't know if you need to, you may need to make a list of the things you're thankful for, the blessings of God. And for some of you, it may you need to give yourself away. I believe one of the things of finding joy is trying to figure out a way to turn everything off of yourself onto other people. I believe that's what we're designed to do. Because many times I think we just get up each day going not only on a happiness quest, but most of that day is about my pleasures and my wants. And my, that's what the day is about when reality is it, to, is it to glorify God and to bless others. And I'll say this for some of you, and there's some trials we're going even as a church right now, even in giving. And I'll just say that as we're closing out. That's a huge trial for us right now. And we'll see where... You know, we may have to make major changes going into next year, and we'll do what we got to do. 
But I will challenge those who have the gift of giving to consider helping us with that. Because I believe it's built in us. When we give, something changes in us. It changes us. I don't know what it does to the people who receive, wherever that is, but it does something in us. And science has proven out there, there is something about that giving that does something to us through the sciences that are going, okay, may need to do that a lot more. But the biggest thing I want to say as we close today is I do believe, and again, without oversimplifying it, each day we have a choice. We can take the inventory and look at what all God has done in our lives and what he can do. And that's the other thing sometimes you can't do by yourself. We need help to help you figure that out. Making the decision that day to serve him. Making that decision today to serve others. Or you can choose to be discouraged. You can choose to allow what's happening in the world. And again, I, I, I'm with you. It's easy to get there. To weigh you down. And not allow you to see forward. Of what God can do. So much about joy is future. And what I mean by that really future future. Like eternal future. That it's all going to work out in the end right. But we can still live in the circumstances now. Where God gives us that peace. We'll talk about next week. Because I wish for each one of us. That we would get up each day. Whatever time that is. On a purpose quest on a perseverance quest, on a joyful quest, understood in Scripture, that those trials, either caused by us or not, can change us when we look to Him, as we look at the cross. Because behind every manger scene, as Josiah and I were talking this morning, behind every manger scene is the cross. And he counted it joy. He counted it joy, the word says, to give his life for us. Let me pray for us. Thank you for letting me take counsel, sit in on my counseling session as I'm working through this. And some of you may be too. For you, some of you, this is old hat to you. And I'm so thankful that you live in that. Joy is what permeates your life, and we see it. Some of you, just it's evident on your life. Thank you for setting the example. For others, I don't want to be making mud pies when I could be at the sea on vacation, as C.S. Lewis says, right? There's more. There's more. More than just our little fixes along the way, if you will, lack of a better way to say it. There's so much more. Lord, help us today. As we go upon our Merry Christmas way. <laughs> that what we do. Each day matters. We matter. First off, I want to say that today, Lord. That if someone's in earshot of my voice, whether at home or wherever they are or in this room. You matter. God loves you. He's on your side. He's coming after you. He's relentless. 
You matter. And Lord, today that what we do each day, what we choose to put our minds to, and what we choose to focus on really matters. Lord, I just pray for our folks today that their mind moves to and gazes to the cross. And ultimately the empty cross. That you're alive. You've promised us one that would come and have that the overflowing, the overflowing of peace through the power of your Holy Spirit would be evident to the world around us. Streams of living water to a thirsty world. That's who we're supposed to be, Lord. And Lord, we know we go through lulls and we go through times where maybe it just doesn't feel that way. Well, Lord, you have used so many across the centuries that also felt that way, Lord, but they persevered. Lord, help us today as people who live in a world that's fallen, where trials and troubles come, Lord, today that we would be the people that on the other side, Lord, really, I, I do believe those who have gone through these trials and brokenness themselves are the most likely to help those who are broken now. Help us be those people, Lord. We love you. Thank you today for the joy. We do sing joy to the world of good, good news. And Lord, today we come knowing that we have great news for the people around us. But Lord, help us remove the barriers uh, that keep us from living fully into it. But we thank you this day for the word of the day, joy. We love you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys for being here today. You are dismissed. Blessings.